Father, I thank you for Bill. I thank you that you filled him with your word. I thank you that you filled him with your Holy Spirit to, uh, to bring it out. And I just uh, pray that the anointing of your Holy Spirit would be strong on him tonight. And we receive it well in Jesus' name. Whew. Do you want your phone? I might answer it if it, if it rings. My Bible won't come up. Your Bible. Wow, this, I'm gonna, I hope I won't spit on you. Speaking moistly? I won't speak moistly. Speaking moistly. That's so funny. So, um, <laughs> this is, uh, I'm talking about uh, the weapons of our warfare. So, um, so Art has a whole collection in there, and I didn't—I wasn't able to get here early enough to um, to uh, figure out a way to get them all on display. But um, but I just want you to be thinking about this—that our weapons are mighty. So, um, hmm. I tell you what, this this week I've wrestled a lot in the in the in the spirit. Um, there were several nights where I just did not sleep. I was, you know, get to bed around 10, and then I'm awake at 2, and, oh, boy, okay, God. So I get up, open my Bible, read, and, and mostly cry, and then read, and cry some more, and, and just, uh, and then last night was, again, about 2 o'clock in the morning, I was awake, and I was just stewing over the state of our nation, like, uh, like, really, just, ah, and, and all day, it's been like that. I haven't been like that for quite a long time. But, uh, Hufa, Holy Spirit, I pray you would put a guard on my mouth that I would say what needs to be said and what not to be said should be just shut up. I ask for your anointing for wisdom. In Jesus' name. We don't, you know what, I, I, I taught our, our city councilors in the last town I lived at. And, uh, and, and after they had an election, I, I spoke to them and I said, you know what, we don't need any more smart people. Then you can hear crickets in the room. And I said, what we need is wise people. And then you can see them all writing that down. Four or five of them said, can we use that? Yeah, please. <laughs> It would actually be better if you did it rather than just write it down. But I didn't say that. Because I need to walk in wisdom too. And, and almost every day I, I get up early and, and I open my Bible because I don't have it memorized. And even if I do, there's just something about reading it that, that jumps out. I read Proverbs chapter 8. It's a good, good chapter. And I've been stuck on it for uh, about a year and, and wisdom is calling out to us. It's calling, it says wisdom uh, is calling out. It, it, it's calling out where the paths meet, meaning where the crossroads are. It, it's calling out at the gates. And, and in those days at the gates, that's where you did your business deals. That's where they settled issues. And, uh, and, and so we need wisdom in those places, especially now in our nation, in North America, around the world. Because there's a spirit of stupid that is going on, and it's affecting Christians really badly. And, and tonight, I pray that it gets broke off in Jesus' name. 
that uh, the spirit of stupid, oh, shama brokotara masanda, it gets destroyed. I was part of a church where the spirit of stupid came in in a big way, and, and they were just, just annihilated with fear, and anything that could have been done wrong was done. And, uh, and I, I, unfortunately, I was not the, the head guy, and it was a, a board-driven church, so really pastors didn't have any power anyway. They actually ran the pastor out, and then I was the associate, so I had even less uh, influence. And I just watched it happen, and there was nothing I could do about it. They just, dumb. And uh, I listened to um, uh, Lance Wellnow. Anybody heard of him? And uh, right now, they're probably winding down. Uh, they're in Washington, D.C. Him and Mario Murillo and, and the big guns, they're all out there. And they're tomorrow as well. And they're interceding and declaring. He, he, he says, I don't know what's going to happen. But for sure something's going to happen. And, and he just went on a rant for about a half an hour about how the church needs to grow up. He said, it's not enough. You know, we hear it all the time. I, I taught on, on a whole series of um, going from uh, like paupers to princes, you know, um, and, uh, and, and everybody in the congregation, and probably here too, how, you know, we want a lot of money. Yeah! The problem is, is it would destroy us if it was given to us. And until we learn how, to, how it works, how, how nations rise and fall, how economies work, how, um, you know, like the, even, even uh, in politics, we, we think that the guy, like Justin Trudeau is not running things. He's just the face that we get mad at because he's a puppet that's got strings tied onto his mouth, onto his hands and his feet, and he's doing what he's told because he's getting very, very rich doing that. And they're, and they're, and they're, and they're, um, hufa. They're, they're speaking to the areas of his life where ego thrives and it's, it's, it will be his demise and again, last night, there was no, you know, again, Lord, the Lord wakes me up and, and I started praying for him. But my prayer is, Justin, what are you doing? What are you doing, Justin? You need to stop it. Justin, what are you thinking? Because, dude, you are in so much trouble. I don't know what the trouble is, but I just know he's in a lot of trouble. And I know this, that if he doesn't change it, there will be a time when he steps through the veil from death to life. And it is going to be incredibly terrifying for eternity. I hope you hear that. But anybody that is outside of Christ, that's the thing. This is, I don't have, this is not my message. But wow, the worship was good. The spirit is, is good in here tonight. We want to ride that wave in Jesus' name. Mario Murillo asked this question this week. What can we do about the demons that are strangling North America? He just said America. I put North in there. Can we break their spell over our nation? Divisive devils have brought the U.S. and Canada, but especially the U.S., to the brink of civil war. Spirits of lust have spread perversion that is contaminated every aspect of culture. Demons have unleashed mass addiction and violence. Can we stop them? 
Absolutely. But no, no, not only can we, it is our sworn duty to tear those things down. Amen? So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 to 6. I'm going to read it out of the, uh, the Amplified Classic Version because I love how it's, re- uh, how it's written. For though we walk or live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God, listen to this, for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. I love that. To overthrow them, not just to pull them down. No, you bad thing. No, it is absolutely to obliterate them. Amen? To overthrow and, and, and destruction of strongholds. To completely destroy them. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories, reasonings, and every proud and lofty thing. Have you heard any proud and lofty thing lately? We refute arguments and theories, reasonings, and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought captive, or every thought and purpose, away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Don't you love how that... I love all the wordiness there. And I've been chewing on this for a few weeks. And... uh, and, and uh, Carmen says, you guys, you got to really kick up your, your, your game when you're preaching because uh, Heather just, she just <laughs> totally obliterated us in the preaching realm. So we're up in it. So I got to wear a jacket. She says, what do I do? Have to wear a dress? I'm not doing it, she says. But um, actually... The last time I spoke, I was really convicted by the Lord to do this. So I'm, I'm trying to be obedient. This is very hard on me. Seriously hard. I have lived in jeans and T-shirts for about 60 years, and I kind of like it. <clears throat> but the problem was several years ago when I was meeting with high-level business leaders in, in uh, Edmonton, Laying out a $100 million plan, they just kind of looked at me for quite a while. I was in this incredible office. You've heard the story. And this one guy says, you've never done this before, have you? I said, no, I haven't. And then the owner of the company, way down there, he started talking. He says, you're a pastor? I go, yeah. This is your idea? Yes. He said, it's brilliant. I said, are you willing to help? He goes, no. So I was frustrated, and God said, Bill, men look at the heart, or God, I look at the heart, but men don't. He says, I'm going to set you up before high-level business leaders and politicians. I want you to go shopping. So Carmen and I went shopping quite a while ago, and she asked me, where's that jacket? And God started going, Bill, where's that jacket? But for some reason... You can put a jacket on and some shiny shoes and people take you at a different level than when you don't. So that's the only reason I'm doing that. And hopefully I'll actually say something that's worthwhile listening to tonight as well. 
One of the things that I'm struggling with is I see in our present government that they're using the same tactics that Hitler used when he gained control of Germany. Exactly the same. When I saw over the last few years, it's like they're reading a book of his life and they're doing it. He began changing the laws until they became a dictatorship. And with this present government, if they have one more majority government, they'll start doing that. I'm prophesying that, or I'm going to declare that because that's what's going to happen. They've already been doing it. But if they have a majority government, that's what's going to happen. And once Hitler had control of the government, he began uh, doing things like building concentration camps. Mr. Trudeau is building isolation camps. Many are calling them concentration camps. And uh, he's actually picked up speed on that. He's already got a plan laid out that this month, you know, the COVID things are going to be worse. And uh, they're going to be doing more testing that they're not going to be able to keep up to the tests that they're rigging. Um, you know, because it's just going to get really bad. And then we'll get a, a shot in the arm that will actually kill people. So it seems that now... Also, um, Hitler, he, he established a special army, the SS, you know, the Nazi thing, to uh, facilitate his desires to oppress people. And it seems now in Canada there's one of those. We saw it actually take place where these guys were doing this nice little... Peaceful gathering, police were there, everything's good, and these guys got out and took control. The police did not even know who they were. I don't know if they know to this day. Yeah, they think it's UN. Have you noticed on our police cars, UN, written on the roof of many of them? It's been like that for a couple of years, I've noticed. There's other letters, I don't know what they are, but uh, the UN, it's all on there. So you need to understand that Mr. Trudeau is not smart enough to do all this. And there's bureaucrats that have been in, in the background working with high-level um, money people that have an agenda to do this, not just to Canada, but obviously the U.S. and any Western nation. And, then, um, and the thing that is getting in their way the most is our Western, Western Christian culture. It's messing everything up. Mr. Trudeau declared when he first got in power that the Evangelical Church of Canada is the most dangerous entity in our nation. And, uh, and it, it also is in the eyes of the globalist movement because we're, we don't work that way. And the only way these leaders can overcome are the people that are involved in anything that is against them is to use fear. And uh, just in the last couple of weeks, you see fear just rising up again. You see masks everywhere. The masks, you know, they, you know if you're going to sneeze on somebody, they'll help. But that's it. They will not stop the virus. It says right there on the box. And Rick, he put, took a picture, put it on Facebook. Facebook immediately took it down. Rick, they're going to put you in one of those camps if you're not careful. I'll join you. People are more and more angry at what's happening, but the control is running so deep that most people just simply give into it. 
as they wait for someone to lead them out of this captivity. We were, we were talking on the way up here, and, and uh, Carmen says, oh, these people, they just have nowhere to turn. I said, yeah, they do, but they're choosing not to. So that's our job. So again, last night I was awake, most of the night, wrestling with this. And, and that, so then I started, I, the thought occurred to me, maybe it was the Holy Spirit talking to me. He says, what kind of person stands up against something like that and brings radical change? What, is, what goes on inside of them? How do they think and what do they think about? What, what kinds of things set those people apart? Have you ever wondered? I wonder about stuff like that. What, what caused those guys to do what they did? Um, I read a, a book uh, by Mark Batterson oh, quite a while ago when we, I was on a journey and, and was really struggling with a big project we were trying to do. And, and um, somebody gave me this book called The Circle Maker that he wrote. And, and it was his journey uh, dealing with almost exactly the same thing. They were fighting um, business leaders, developers, all that kind of stuff that did not want this church to be planted in Washington, D.C., and, uh, and so he, he went through his whole story about how he dealt with it. And so every chapter was like, every time I hit a wall, I'd read another chapter. i go, oh, this is what I need to do. So right at the beginning, he, he read, uh, wrote about the, um, a man who lived about 100 years before Jesus did, named Honey. They called they call him the, the circle maker. And, his, uh, and what happened is they had been in a uh, drought for quite a long time. And the story, part of the story goes that there was children there that had never seen rain in Israel. I don't know how old they were, but it hadn't rained for a little while. So they were, they were being threatened. They, you know, they were going to die. If the rain did not come, crops would not grow, and they were going to die. So they called on this Honey guy to come and pray for rain. He had a reputation. And this is a time where about 300 years, God had not spoken to Israel through any prophet. Yeah, but Honey was a kind of a guy that had a relationship with the Lord that believed that God heard him. Even though we can't hear God, God heard him. And so what he did is he got there, there was all these people gathered around, and he got his staff and he, he didn't say anything, but he, he took it, and he just started to draw a circle. He drew a circle all the way around, and he said it seemed like it took forever for him to do that. And then he got down, and he started at asking God for rain. And he said, God, I'm not going to move from this circle until you make it rain. And then they saw a miracle. Rain just started. Well, first of all, it was just a little sprinkle. And he says, that's not the kind of rain I asked for, God. And then he says, I need the rain that comes down and fills cisterns and, and streams and stuff like that. And, the, and then it came, became such a downpour that people started running because they were afraid of the flood that was about to happen. And then he said, God, that is not the kind of rain that I asked for. I asked for the soaking gentle rain that soaks the ground so things will grow and that it'll create life and that kind of stuff. And then the rain settled down and that's the kind of rain that went on until the cisterns were full and then Honey went back to his cave again. But he, he, the religious leaders were very upset with him to think how dare he tell God what kind of rain should happen. 
And it's very interesting, you know, when, when a Christian starts raising, rising up and think, you know what, God is stirring something in my heart. It's, it's the religious people that get in the way most of the time. So God, in this lockdown, in this thing is happening, he is destroying those mindsets. Remember that verse that we read? It's about pulling down vain imaginations and arguments. Come on. And, uh, and God is doing a thing in us so that we will, you know, um, I, I read the thing a little while ago. If, if you are in a season where it seems like God is not answering your prayer, he says, check your pride. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and at the right time, he will raise you up. So there's these people that have humbled themselves under the mighty hand of God, and, and, they're, and they're concerned about the state of their, their union, or like the things that are going on in their nation, and God starts to raise them up, and the first things that starts to happen is the religious guys want to, you know, let's, let's cut that off. Hopefully you won't forget any of these points. Mario said, it's a, I just want to say this, you know, that, that story isn't about getting another method. You know, as I'm, I listen to people, I, I've been praying for a long time. I've you've been at this for 40, what, three years or something like that, a little while. And, uh, and I've seen God answer my prayers with power and sometimes not. Sometimes I've seen him answer in ways that I just never thought, like, that is crazy how you just did that. That's pretty amazing. And then other times it just seems like, Bill, that's not what I'm going to do, and you need to be okay with it, which is devastating when that happens. But what we try to do is like, oh, we just need to pray like this, and then we need to pray like this, what, oh, okay, then we, if we do this 12 times and then turn around half a time, wink, and then we're going to have what we're going to have, right? <laughs> if we tried to do what Honey did, it probably won't work. Because, first of all, he established a relationship with his God, where God actually tr believed what Honey said. When Honey said, I'm not leaving this circle until it rains, God believed him. So God brought rain. He thought, that's my friend. I'm not going to make him wait. I'm going to just start sending rain. So what if God starts stirring us into that place? I want to be there. I want to be right there where, oh, Bill, hmm, okay, that's good. I believe what you, what you say. You know what happened? When Hillary Clinton announced that she was running for president in the U.S., their Christians began fasting and praying for her to be defeated. But when Trump announced his bid for the White House, the vast, <laughs> they changed their mind, number one. Some of them, like, oh, he, he makes bad tweets. It's okay that he's saving babies and, you know, you know, doing stuff for Israel. There's peace treatments that have never happened. You know, jobs are happening. But uh, he said a, a bad thing on his tweet. So I can't, I can't vote for him? Because he didn't say Jesus loves you in there. But when Trump announced that his, his, his bid for the White House, a vast number of witches and occultists began casting spells and curses on him. What a contrast. When Democrats heard God mentioned from their platform in 2016, they began booing. 
He says, what I'm writing you about is the fact that Democrats and leftists have gone way beyond this, and now they're joining the temple of Satan. Here's this. This is this true story of, the le of what leftist attorney Jamie Smith wrote in the Huffington Post. I am a 40-something attorney, mother who lives in a quiet neighborhood with a yard, a garage full of scooters and soccer balls. Smith said, I often walk with my children to get ice cream and spend weekends hiking through a national park. I'm not the type of person who would normally consider becoming a Satanist, but these are not normal times. Then she explained why she became a Satanist. When Ginsburg, you know, the, the justice that just passed, when she passed, Smith said she didn't feel sorrow, but rather fear that America was headed towards theocracy or dictatorship. When Justice Ginsburg died, I knew immediately that action was needed on a scale we had not seen before. Our democracy has become so fragile that the loss of, of one of the last guardians of common sense, she says, and decency in government less than two months before a pivotal election was put, <laughs> has put our civil and reproductive rights in danger like never before, and so I have turned to Satanism. And the cry of my heart when I heard that is, Oh, North America! If your eyes are on somebody who absolutely hates you and hates your existence, then you might be deceived a little bit. But there's many doing that. And when the church really doesn't know who God is or what his word says about life and death. and They don't know the principles of, of, the, of God because they're just not into the word, but they're more into, well, we, we got to be nice to everybody. You know, like, I think it was the, uh, the Seattle mayor you know, she, you know, when the riots were going on and, and she wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't back up the police force. She wouldn't give anything to them until those guys started beating on her door. She was the first one to call the police. Mm. So my prayer is that through this, that there's something that is stirring in each, each one of us that is not fear, but is a righteous indignation that is rising up to the surface. Because our weapons are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, vain imaginations and lofty, arrogant thoughts that exalt themselves need to be brought down with these powerful weapons. Amen? And, uh, oh boy. Hey! So, Father, stir us, stir us, I pray, God, by your word. Cause the word of God to rise up and pierce our own heart. God, your word is a two-edged sword, your word. It says that it, it'll cut on one side, but it'll heal on the other. Lord, let it be sharp and powerful in our mouth, oh God. Let us become skillful with it so we know how to speak it and how to use it. Mm. Yeah, that was another thing that... that um, uh, Lance said, he, he said, 
Christians, you need to grow up. It is time to get educated. I've been taking a course for a, uh, since January that has been the hardest thing in my life. I am learning so much. Some language, like uh, words, like what is this? It's all about finance. It's, it, it's tied in with government. It's tied in with technology. And every day I'm reading something that just absolutely floors me. But I, I felt right at the beginning of it, Carmen actually said it earlier. She says, Bill, I think you need to get involved in this. And I'm thinking, ah, I get, you know what? I am interested, but not now, you know? So things had to kind of shift so that I could get, get into it. And Hufa. Uh, and I believe it is because of the prophetic word that has been spoken over my life. And I, I, this is not to brag, it's to inspire us. Because every single one of you in this room, I'm sure, has had a prophetic word that has not been fulfilled in your life. Amen? So there's a, there's a system that you need to go through, a system of education, a system of humiliation even, where the flesh gets cut away so that we can rise up and become the people that God has called us to be. And I love watching Art and Heather. I, I, I just tell them all the time. I laugh, not because it's funny, but the joy of the Lord. I laugh because I've got to watch their journey for 40 years or 30 years or however many. Well, for Heather, it's been for Heather 80 years for Heather. She, she looks good for 100, eh? So do I, but not as good as her. But, but, but that's what it's all about, where, you're, where your yes just keeps being yes all the time. Where they, they just, yeah, this, okay, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And it was so funny. We, were, we had a lunch here, and, and, and you know, Heather was saying in her message that, that she said, i got to be one of those people that processes how this is going to happen, how much is going to cost, who's going to be doing it, what color is it going to be, does it have a bow, is there tires, you know, whatever. And Art's going, you know, somebody says, you know what we ought to do? Yeah, okay, we're going to do it. Yeah, but we don't know what it is yet. Yeah, but we're going to do it. And we're going to do it with gusto. And uh, we're going to have big trucks and big sound, big lights and big guitars. And we're going to just do it. Yeah, it's going to cost a million dollars. So let's just do it. Let's get her done. Yeah. And I agree. I love that. So we were having lunch. And uh, somebody says, you know what we're going to do? And Eric goes, yeah, let's do it. She goes, see? <laughs> we're going, see what? <laughs> and so she expounded on it. So that's good. Got nothing to do with my message, but it was funny. Man, I'm only on the first page. I got 18. I'm not doing that to you. Hufa. So I want to I wanna wrap this up because it's already been 40 minutes or 30 minutes. Or... All right. Praise the Lord. So my question is, what kind of people... What, how do they think? What do they do? What do they, what, you know, what do they read? Like, what, what goes on their little head for them to rise up and, and take on the planet? So today marks the 503rd anniversary or so of Martin, Dr. Martin Luther, his 95 theses being nailed to the door of the Catholic Church. And uh, we believe that his thesis actually went to many church doors. I think he went crazy. It was right around the time when the printing press took place. And it, God, when God does something, he's very strategic. Because if he tried doing that 50 years earlier, it wasn't going to happen. 
But because the printing press was there and it was ready to go, it was new technology, God said, okay, now I'm going to move upon this dude. And there was something stirring in him, I'm sure, for quite a while because it would take a while for all of this to come to the surface. And he finally realized that the church he had been serving had been lying to him. And he was about to set it straight. And he birthed the, the, move, the Protestant movement, which has gone around the world. And we're benefiting from it right now. He faced the giant. That would be a big giant to face. He got excommunicated. He died a little while later. But God used him to pull down vain imaginations and lofty thoughts, didn't he? And through his sacrifice, we still, to this day, enjoy the truth. The Bible is in the hands of the poor, as well as the rich in almost every language on the planet. Tomorrow marks the day when many go to cemeteries to honor the dead. Many even pray to the saints. Others believe that All Hallows' Eve, Halloween night, that, uh, that the dead will actually rise up and move among us and, and take vengeance on the people that treated them badly. That's all part of that whole thinking. And um, Martin Luther challenged all of that. Then there's this other guy with the same name, Martin Luther King. He began a movement. It's cost him his life. But now many, because he did what he did, many enjoy freedom, prosperity, and because of his sacrifice and devotion to truth, we, we get to, uh, many get to operate in, in realms that they otherwise would have never been able to. Then there's this guy named Simon. <clears throat> when he, you know, a while ago I, I preached on, who do you say that I am? And Will, he got that in his message, and then I think Heather got it in there, and Rick got it, and Art, and... So we have, I have to mention it again, just because we're on a theme. But I think it's key. It is a key question that God is asking the, the church. Jesus is asking, who do you say that I am? Those guys don't have a clue, but who do you say that I am? And a lot of the church, I don't think, can give an answer to that. And I believe that when we do get, figure out what the answer is to that, then we'll discover who we are, and we will be able to get our marching orders. We heard on the, on the prayer call, I don't know if it, was, if it was on you, we were listening, we were spying on you, Rena. We are making sure you were okay. I think it was yours, but it was about a 10-year-old boy that got, uh, that got baptized. It was, maybe it wasn't your, your group, but it was right around your team. But it was a little boy, a 10-year-old boy that got baptized. And his testimony went something like this. He said, I, I'm, I'm here today to dedicate the rest of my life to Jesus and to receive my marching orders. Oh, that the church would do something like that. We ask God, give us your, your marching orders for us. But there's this guy named Simon. That when he figured out, he got a revelation from God himself. No, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And I believe that Jesus was waiting to hear those words coming out of his mouth. Because then he knew that not just the prophets were hearing God, but his disciples were. And anybody else could hear him as well. That's why Jesus got happy. And then at, the, at that revelation, he goes, okay, because of this, I'm going to change your name to Peter. Or Petra, the rock. He was a little rock. Jesus is the big rock. But on that truth, that rock, I will build my church. And he was the first gospel preacher of all gospel preachers. He preached twice and over 8,000 people were added to the church. Hey, that's not a bad beginning. 8,000 in two, two services. So I pray for that anointing to come upon art in Jesus' name. <laughs> we'll watch. Go, Art. <laughs> 
<laughs> It'd be so good. You can use my sword. Actually, you don't want to use this sword. This is Solomon's sword. It's pretty. And it's about governance. That's why I brought it here. Art has swords that are more useful for battle. Like they're actually sharp. And that's what they're, they, you have three, right? Are there all three of them from Lord of the Rings? Like, or? What's the uh, 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 Braveheart? Braveheart. I've got an authentic Braveheart one. And I've got the Return of the King sword. Uh, so those are the swords you want to go into battle with. And we have different kinds of weapons. This is a weapon too. But this is the weapon that you would use to declare your, your authority over a nation. This is a weapon too. This is a weapon. That thing with strings on it, that's a weapon. This is a weapon. The, uh, the fruit of the Spirit are weapons. And those are powerful weapons that we need to use for the pulling down of strongholds, to pull in vain imaginations and lofty, arrogant thoughts. Hoofa. Mm. It's interesting after Jesus renamed Peter, when they came to the garden to take Jesus away, he had his knife out right away. <laughs> we listened to uh, Chris Ballot and, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Okay, everybody get swords. Oh, okay, we got a sword. He cuts his ear off. Don't use the sword. Oh, okay, we're not supposed to use the sword. But you said get a sword. Yeah, I did. Okay, but don't use it. Okay, uh, you're not for cutting his ear off anyway. So Jesus puts the ear back on. And just, it, Can you imagine the whole army? This is what I want to happen. The whole army is coming. Are you the Christ? I am. Boom, they all hit the ground. Amen. I think I'd be a little nervous about resting that guy after that. <laughs> just a little. Paul spent much of his time in chains I love Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. He's going, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice because he got a revelation that the chains he was in in prison while he's writing that was for everybody else. What moves these people? Why do they act like that? What, what compelled them to do what they did? What kind of person now even subjects themselves to uh, all kinds of brutality to see their cause come to victory? Did they indeed just have a special relationship with God? Were they special people? I think they became special people because they had this word that we don't hear of very much. It's called conviction. And I think that's why I've been messed up so much this week. Is I've been mulling over that word, conviction. And, and, and I've asked God, Lord, will you convict me in the deepest part of my thinking so that these vain imaginations that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God are pulled down. Would you convict me of every area of my life that is opposing what you want to do in my life for me to walk out the destiny that you've spoken? God, would you, would you do that here so that maybe it will start 
lighting a fire everywhere else that I go? Would you bring conviction into the church again, understanding that the state of our nation is because of us? We just had a, a vote in B.C. And a majority socialist government is in power. They can do anything they want now. Because we haven't changed the mind and the heart of our province yet. We need the conviction that these others had. To be convicted of the word of God. That this word is actually sharp and powerful. That this word is mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. That this word is, is sent to earth. Not to return to heaven empty. But to accomplish what it was sent to earth to do. As it, it is spoken, the word is, 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 is like <laughs> the sword of the spirit in our mouth. When we use it, we need to learn how to use it skillfully. Um, I will say this to, uh, to um, cover the innocent. You know, uh, <laughs> a person was doing their job, and, and uh, this, this other person thought that they were being rude, and they said, I'm, I'm going to pray for you because you were rude. We don't need Christians acting that way. Because that's dumb. I, have to, I am so rebellious. The mask thing drives me insane, and my tongue is almost bit off because I had to bite it. And Carmen's going, Barrow! <laughs> Well, I am serious rebellious. I got a whole bunch of stuff. We're not going to go through all that. But I just believe that God wants to stir us. Because we are all called. We are all living stones being built into the wall. Art has talked about that a lot. And I appreciate that uh, Art doesn't think. He just does. Peter was kind of like that. He spoke and then, you know, think about it, you know, happened later. Sometimes ready, shoot, aim happens. And we need, we need the people with the boots to knock down the walls, but we also need people that will sit at the tables. And I got to sit in the spirit in two rooms where the highest levels, highest of thinkers in the land were sitting around there plotting out a strategy. And I got to sit in the room watching it happen. I wanted that to become a reality. I don't want to just see it in the spirit. I want to be one of the ones sitting at the table putting, saying, no, this is what, you know what? This is what the word of the Lord says about that. I want to step into those things that God has called me to do, that he has called me to, to rule and reign with Christ to be seated in heavenly places with him and we speak those things but we're not there yet because it's not reality but we're speaking it it's time to back that up with the word of God as we hide it in our heart like David he said Lord your word I've hidden in my heart that I would not sin against you he was a bad dude he killed and and committed adultery but you know what the Bible says because he had a heart after God he repented he fasted he prayed and he made a lifestyle of doing that. Even you know, you read through some of the, the, the Psalms, it talks about him being, you know, my bones rattle and stuff. He was useless in the in the in the fight. He was almost killed by a giant. One of his mighty men had to come and save him, said, you know what? You go hang out in the palace. We don't want you out here. 
But his desire was for God to get a hold of him. And we don't hear of too many people in the New Testament world that understood the presence and the faithfulness of God like David did in the Old Testament. God loved the tabernacle that David built because there was no veil in it. And then according to Acts, he says, I'm going to rebuild that tabernacle because it's going to be a witness to the whole world. And people will come to Christ because of it. And he is building it. Places like IHOP have been going on for years now. More than a decade. What, 15 years? 20 years? 20? That's one of those places. Oh, boy. Oh, God. I just feel the Holy Spirit. Mm. God, on the night where there's just chaos all over the place in the Spirit, we thank you, Lord, for, for the Christians that are sold out, the people who are lovers of Jesus, that, are, that have hidden themselves in the secret place of the Most High, that you would overshadow them, Lord, that you are, are, are hovering over them and bending low even, listening to the cry of their heart and, and responding to it like you did with Honey, your friend. Thank you, Jesus. In a time when nobody heard from the Lord, you were silent, but you listened to a man of God because he was your friend. Lord, listen to us now. Let us become the friends of God. God, I pray that you would move us into this place where we understand that our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. That, it, that we, if, if we read the rest of those verses, we're ready to punish disobedience that we find in ourselves. Mm. Shua. Lord. Last, uh, was it last week, when, Heather, when you preached, no, it was the week before. Last week, Will was talking to us about us being light. And everywhere we go, we release the light of God. We release the kingdom of heaven in every room that we walk into. You know, when, I, I learned this a long time ago. I was the only Christian on my shift in the sawmill. But never once during those years did I ever, ever feel like a minority. Because when I started to speak, they stopped talking and they listened. I had the them reading out of my Bible to each other in the in the lunchroom. Big guys with tears running down their faces, going, "I see that you're really sincere. I don't believe what you do, and and I think you're 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 deceived." And and they're they're the ones crying. I'm going, I just want to live my life before you so that there, hopefully you'll see something in me that will cause you to change. And it was amazing how many of those guys got saved afterwards. I didn't get to lead any of them to the Lord, but I, I, went, I moved away, I came back, and here are so many of them in the church. Our weapons are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And how this is going to work is revival has to start in us, but it'll start with conviction, where we really are convicted about the, the way things are. And I believe there's a word for the, for the, the intercessors, and I, and I hope that I get the opportunity to encourage them in, in Edmonton. But, but, you know, many have been praying for a long time. But corporately now, the Lord is moving us into a place of depth that we have never gone before. A place where, where, where literally we will see 
creation begin to quake and groan and grind under the weight of, of, of the intercessors as they're crying out for the will of God to be established in our nation and in North America. Well, there's a war of wars that is going on. But you know what? God always wins. He's never, he's never lost a battle. The devil thought he won when Jesus died. And when he thought, okay, he's in hell now. And then, he, then Jesus starts going around taking keys away. What is going on? And then he waited. He waited in obedience for the Holy Spirit to raise him up. And all the souls came with him. There was a lot of people. It's like, what, what are these dead people doing walking around? You know, you read your Bible. It's in there. And Jesus hung out for quite a while before he ascended into heaven. Then I just feel I just feel a strong anointing right here, right now, and for whatever that is in your life, just start to receive it. Uh, the, your weapons are mighty in God. You, God is downloading His Word, a, a, a revelation of His Word. But uh, it's not enough to have a revelation of it. It's not enough to even to speak words of knowledge. We need wisdom. We need the words of wisdom to be applied to the words of knowledge so that there is fruit, so that there is a strategy that gets played out in our nation, that we will do the things of God uh, with, with understanding. Oh, God, move upon us now, we pray in Jesus' name. There's some that need healing in your bodies. Just grab a hold of that right now. I believe that there's a healing anointing that is coming upon the church in a big and powerful way. If you have not read uh, Muriel's uh, latest uh, little blog, he sends these things out by the thousands. And uh, some of them I just can't read because they're just like, okay, you've said that a, a thousand times already. I can't remember. But he, he talked about Fresno and his, his tent crusade down there. And he said, I waited a couple of weeks to give you the report of literally, uh, they, they don't know how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people gave their lives to Jesus. They talked about uh, the works of benevolence that, you know, they went and took boxes of food to homes that had no food. They were praying for the sick out on the streets before the 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 whole deal even started people were getting healed the, the first night i think 300 people came forward for salvation the tent um they 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 did they said uh, 36 hours before the the crusade happened they didn't even know if they were going to allow, be allowed to because they didn't have a permit yet and they could have had a permit a long time ago if they said oh yeah we'll place everybody out six feet but he says no we want to touch them so somehow they got that through. The fire department approved them, gave them their permits. They packed the tent an hour early, and then they had to open up the flaps. There was another 500 or so sitting outside, and it just went on like that. But he said, the, you know, he talked about the miracles that happened in people's bodies, but the best one was this. They didn't want to give them a... Uh, a permit because they figured there would be super spreaders of COVID. He said there was not one case. Take that devil, flipping liar. 
I pray for an indignance to rise up in the church. Lord, I'm preaching to the choir here already. I know that. But if there's people that will listen later on, I pray that you would join that team. The invitation that Heather talked about a couple of weeks ago, we have an, an invitation by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to join him in doing exploits. Because the Bible says in Daniel, those who know their God shall do exploits. So Father, we want to see and do the exploits, but start here with conviction so that we move into revival, so that our communities are transformed, so that our nation is reformed. God, we cannot change the laws of the land until that happens. So God, move upon us, Lord. God, we've been praying for righteous government, but we pray for the righteous to rise up and take their place, for the righteous to stand up and be counted in Jesus' name, for those to actually come to know your God that you say you serve, that you'll know, that you'll know, that you'll know him. One of the things that I struggle with this in my confession is second guessing myself. In 2016, where everybody died and everything I asked God for, for did not happen. I tell you, it rattled me to the core and it's just shaken me to, it's just rattled everything out of me. And now I notice that every time I start to move in a direction and I second guess myself, it goes wrong. But if I know, if I stayed the course, it would be all right. So, Father, I ask, I know that I'm not the only one. So I break the fear of failure off of your church in Jesus' name. We will not fail. You will not allow us to. We will not fail. The fear, a spirit of fear, you have not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. So we have soundness of mind as we move ahead. We will not, we will not second guess the call of God. We will listen to your voice and we will move because you have spoken the word and we'll be sure of it because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds so God let us operate in those things in Jesus name oh God stir us up Stir us up, oh God. Stir us up, oh God. Father, open the doors, oh God, that we will be able to sit at the tables with our high-level politicians and be, give, be able to give words of wisdom, words of knowledge, words that have power. God, the words, oh Lord, that, that come from a heart that is settled, a heart of wisdom, a person who has studied and knows the facts, God. God, your word says study and show yourself approved. So, Father, help us to do that. It is not too late for any of us. Some of us, we're at the point in our life where people will actually be more interested in listening to us than 30 years ago. I know that for a fact for myself. 25 years ago, I was a sign in a wonder. I, I, I just will call it that because I would stand, I would look so foolish. I know I did. But the Spirit of God just would work through that. I remember being in a church where the power of God hit me. I ended up under the piano in the plants laughing my head off for five or so minutes all by myself. And nobody in the church thought it was funny. And while I'm laughing, I'm going, God, what are you doing? What, what do I do now, God? But it, everything was funny. So I, okay, okay, okay. Apple pie. Apple pie, baseball, apple pie. Okay, calm down. So then I've had this thought. Um, so I crawled out and I said, some of you um, 
while you deserve an explanation, let me tell you what God's been doing in my life. This is after I'd already preached a message. And uh, I said, does anyone want prayer? It was a big church. All the young people came forward first because they knew what I was talking about. And the youth pastor was there all by himself. His name was Daryl. I love Daryl. I said, and I could hardly stand. The power of God was just so strong. I said, Daryl, are you ready for this? Of course I am, he says. I No, are you really ready for this? Yeah. Okay. He prayed for the person. He, he's like this. The person standing right in front of him went that way. <laughs> Skidded three rows on carpet. It's hard to skid on carpet. I said, Daryl, you need to be ready. And she's like, okay. Next one. He thought, well, they went that way. So he's kind of over here. Boom, they went that way. He didn't catch one. And pretty soon there was 50 bodies. And then God starts messing with them. And then pretty soon the, the older ones were looking, what's going on up there? And then, you know, in every church, the one person that comes to every altar call that gets prayed all the time that never receives their miracle, that person came to the front. And that night they got their miracle. I'll tell you what, God had his way in that church. I hate talking about what was. I want to talk what is and what is coming. Because that's nothing compared to what God is doing. But I believe Bill needed to go on this journey where I went from one community to another and I went from revival to where we started to see transformation begin. And God downloaded the whole steps to lead not just churches but the city through that process. And it'll work not just in your church but it'll work in your family, in your business, in the city, and in the nation. It's a study on the, on the book of, uh, of Joshua when they went in and they had to defeat all the kings. And hopefully next time I talk, I'm going to just bring an introduction of that. But whew, there's um, strongholds that need to be brought down. And most of the strongholds are between our ears. And so, Father, we ask that those strongholds would be broken right now. God, we repent of our wicked thinking our every evil thought, Lord, every, every thought that does not align itself with what you think about us, oh God. God, your church doesn't know who they are. And even last fall, Art, in his kindness, brought me out to uh, St. John. And I stood at the back of the church by the sound guys and just watched. And I realized as they were talking about fathers and sons, I realized I was an orphan. After being in ministry for 30 years, 40 years, I finally realized I am an orphan. I have an orphan spirit. I think like an orphan. I even taught, on my, taught my church how to not think like an orphan, but I didn't know what I was talking about, apparently. But our church is filled with orphans. We got orphans running our nation. And uh, at St. John, we, we got to deal with that. 
We got to break that, and fathers are now rising up, and I'm impressed with these guys, these young men and women in their 30s that have been mentored by good fathers, and they're carrying in an anointing of those that have passed into heaven and more, and it's, it's growing exponentially in these younger ones that gives me a lot of hope for what's ahead. But I'm going like, God, I want to at least be there to cheer them on if I, if I can't do anything else. Help me to help them to be an encouragement to watch and to pray and and if if I'm invited to to be able to give and deliver a word of wisdom in a situation that they might not understand Lord that I would be used by you to be able to see things that nobody else sees and be able to speak to it and uh, for most of my life I think that has been the case I've seen things decades before they've happened and I've seen this day many years ago I said God what is it going to be like and I said in 20 years and all the devastation you see on TV, I saw it all. It, I was driving. I just about drove off the road. It was so horrifying. And I didn't know that Art was Métis when I was standing on his, his stage. And I said, you know, when the First Nations people start taking their place, God is raising them up as apostles, and they're going to lead our nation into, into revival. I didn't know any, anything about that. And everybody's looking at me like, you're a screwball. But it was so strong. And I, I just declare, like Art brought it up again, and I've heard it many times, that when Jesus called everybody to get in the boat to go to the other side, he knew there was a storm coming, but the rest didn't. But they got to the other side, and when they got there, they did business. And so, Father... We're getting to the other side. It does not matter what Justin is saying, what the bureaucrats are saying, what they're planning. God, they are going to come to face to face with a holy and terrifying God. That it's going to be, there's going to be humble people that are full of wisdom and the fear of the Lord that they're going to have to deal with. And they're not going to know how to because it doesn't make sense. They're going to face the Gideon armies, the small groups. They're going to face the Jonathans and their, and their armor bearers. They're going to face the Davids. Who is that kid with, that, with a sling and a rock? You're gonna, they're going to face all kinds of things. Who's this Moses guy that stutters? What they're going to come face to face with is the friends of God. The honies that know that when they... When they talk, their God hears, and God believes what they say, and he does it because they're his friends. So, Father, I don't know where to go with this, but uh, I just pray for us that your spirit will mess us up in a way that we have not been messed up for a very, very long time. I ask for the gifts to flow, the weapons, Lord, to be found in our hands, and we will learn how to use them in these coming days, Lord, when we're still isolated to some point, that we will be get, become really, really, really good at what you've called us to do. Father, we bless Art and Heather as they lead us. God, what an honor to be able to stand with them and behind them and to be a small voice sometimes just to cheer them on, oh God. And for the others in the nation, Lord, that you have, uh, have risen 
to the front lines. I think of Barry Miracle as well. And others, Lord, the, especially among the First Nations, God, that have risen up as apostles and leaders. I pray for incredible unity among them, a spirit uh, and an anointing of wisdom that comes upon them, Lord, that they will be able to, uh, because of the favor you have on their lives, God, that you would be able to use them effectively to change the minds and pull down vain imaginations and lofty thoughts in the name of Jesus because the Spirit of Christ is in them. The Spirit of wisdom is operating in and through them in Jesus' name. Father, we speak We speak to these, uh, these high and lofty mindsets and say, you're coming down in the name of Jesus. We, uh, we declare that the Word of God is against you, and you're going to have to deal with Him, not us, because He will win the war. He always wins, and He's just using you right now to refine us so that the ecclesia, there's that word, the ecclesia is, will be presented to the world because all of the mountains of society will bow down to the mountain of the Lord because the word of God declares it. So we declare that back to heaven and say, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey! of hell. He's such a good man. I love the anointing of God that is on you and Catherine. When this church went through such an awful time, the anointing of God and the mantle of God was on you with wisdom to help lead, lead us all through. Nobody knew what to do, but the Spirit of God was on you, even though you probably felt like you didn't know. Um, but what Hal was saying, he said about 10 minutes ago, he said he could smell mothballs. And uh, I know what that is. Hmm. See, uh, a couple of decades ago, I was the guy on the stage. Part of my job and the blessings that I had was leading hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of spiritual leaders across our nation in worship, releasing the Spirit of God in their lives. And I went, I'm going to just tell you this short story. I went from there over out to Alberta and started pastoring a church, and I learned what I learned there has been so, so good, but it was so hard. Again, I was the guy, you know, a little bit more hidden, but I'm still there. And then the Lord directed me to come back here, and I ended, we ended up in Vernon, and we're working for a friend of mine. And I was given, you know, we want you to do all these things, and when are you going to move here? Because we need to get started on these projects and stuff. So we spent a lot of money, went there, renovated a house, you know the story. But what happened was I ended up working in the basement of this eight-acre building in the worst slime and muck 
cutting up steel, just covered in junk. You know, and the owner of the company would come through with all these suits. And yeah, this is my friend Bill. I'd be so humiliated because I realized there was still a lot of pride in my heart that needed to be dealt with. Because I thought, I'm supposed to be the guy leading those guys around. I'm supposed to be the guy showing them about the projects that we're working on that I'm leading. But instead, I'm working down in the basement, cutting up all this junk, and my hands are hurting. I got arthritis in both hands and pain and just humiliated beyond words. And what it is is hiddenness. During that time, Carmen and I went through a devotional about Joseph. Joseph had a call on his life, but God moved him into hiddenness for many years to strip him of absolutely every thread of self-sufficiency, even of confidence even. He stripped everything away from him so that when God desired to release him, there would be no doubt who was doing the promotion. He even tried to get the cupbearer and the baker, remember me when you go and talk to the king, okay? And they totally forgot about him. But the mothballs, what Hal was saying, he says, I feel, he said, I feel like people have been mothballed. What, what has happened is we've been hidden. He's putting us in a place of hiddenness so that we can deal with this stuff that I just talked about. When we went to St. John, I'm driving around all, my, all these guys that I ministered with years before. Guys that I even had come to my church. And I'm driving them around in the car. And they're going, Bill, what happened? <laughs> and then the, the humiliation would just rise again. Church. There's many of us that have been like that. And God is wanting to, to, to uh, encourage us all. With Psalm 91 that comes to me, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. In hiddenness, he's overshadowing us. And his desire is to keep overshadowing us when we move out that everything that we do, everything that we say is overshadowed by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we need to be obedient in the process so that we become useful. And I know that's been my thing. So I think that there's probably others that can relate to that. I won't even look. But if that is you, I just want to release you from that humiliation. It's okay to be humble. But God's intent is not for you to be humiliated, degraded. That's why I said earlier, if you're seeing that God isn't answering your prayers, then check your pride. Because he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And we need the grace of God so that we can operate in the faith of God. And faith is the only thing that pleases God. So we need his, his grace working in us so that we can operate in the faith. I hope that makes sense. But that's how it works. 
And we find those things in the hidden place and not anywhere else. Art said that when we started. He said there's a thing that happens when it's just you and God that doesn't happen anywhere else.